Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right, welcome to another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. I'm your host, Nevin Gorky, known by my F3 brothers as DFib. I'm joined by my co-host, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up in the Gloom. Dial-Up, I heard you did something with your M this Sunday. I did, and uh, yeah, so basically she uh, she ran a half marathon up in Scranton, PA, and uh, initially I was going to race the thing myself, and uh, I used this kind of nagging hamstring injury as a reason not to to race it. I don't like doing races unless I feel really ready to race, uh, and so anyway, I spent a nice 13 miles of quality time with the M. Nice. I only had to give her tough love, I think, one time. Around 11 miles, got a little rough for her. Uh, with her neuropathy that she has from some uh, back surgeries, but she did great. Super proud of her. Yeah, that's awesome. She's fast, and she's uh, coming off some, as you said, some back surgery yeah. stuff. And she's uh, well, she, everyone's faster than me, but that's that was pretty good. Um, and I know it's not always hamstring injury. You told me you're not running a real race until you're ready to win it. So, well, that's going to be a long time because I'm <laughs> I'm not in winning shape anymore. Uh, but speaking of winning, heck, we thought Hamlet from our region. Yeah. So. Hamlet, for those of you who don't know him, he's uh, Peyton Riley's his name. He's a he's a member of our packs. He's a, he's a young buck, twenty two years old. He, he shows up to do his first half marathon. He's really only been running competitively, doing some races for like ten months, and he finishes fifth in this thing. And at one point, there was like this out and back section. We 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 couldn't see the first four people that it went by, and all, all we see is Hamlet coming with a bike leading the way. So we thought he, we thought he was in the lead. And uh, anyway, still got fifth. So shout out to Hamlet from F3. Susquehanna yeah, absolutely. Valley. Way to go, Hamlet. Up. That's a fifth place is that's awesome. Especially for a guy who's, I mean, he just basically started training for distance running, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Well, he kicks our butt when he shows up for the workouts. He does. So, he does. Um, unless, well, yeah. And pretty much all, all the beat downs we've done, he's usually up there. Yes. First. Yep. All right. So this one, real quick, I want to I want to make a mention here. Two things. One is, you know, we know that people are going to listen to us or do not know what F three is. So we want to just always mention what that is. You're going to hear some terms and some phrases that on on this podcast, and we apologize if we don't uh, define them and explain them to you. But just follow along; you'll catch up. Anyway, F three is a, a a movement for men. It was national movement for men. Now it's worldly. It stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith. And basically, the mission is to invigorate male community leadership. So it's a free outdoor boot camp style workout for men. Um, I planted a shovel flag in Danville, Pennsylvania here. It'll be two years ago in May. Uh, but we got regions all over the country. We have a guest on today who is from Hampton Roads uh, down in Virginia. Um, I'm going to bring him in in a second. But I wanted to read something because this Pat last week's podcast that dropped and aired was our third since we started. And our guest, fourth, I'm sorry, I'm being corrected by my co-host and Spielberg. It was our fourth since we started. That's why I have these guys here, because I make mistakes all the time. Anyway, um, our guest was uh, a local legend uh, in the cross-country coaching ranks and um, Jeff Brandt. And uh, Bing, who a lot of F3 guys know from down in the Sun Coast, and Bing was my Nantan. He planted the shovel flag down there. Anyway... Uh, he texted me today. He said, because of the podcast this week, I did some detective work and just got a hold of my high school track coach and chatted for 45 minutes. He said, it's been 30 years, exclamation points. And he remembered stories that I've shared like they've 
that like uh, that I've shared like they were yesterday. He even brought them up exclamation points, and he said it was great to reconnect, and they plan to stay in touch, both of them. So that's really cool, right? It, it is. It's really cool to have those coaches that were in your lives when you were young. That you anytime you see them, it's like it's like the like there was no time in between your visits. Like that friendship and that connection that you have is just always there. And and I I can share too. Same thing for me. My my high school coach can recently retired, but like every, like most years, I would see him down at like the state cross country championship meet, and we would reconnect every year. And it was just always just great to to get together, share so share those stories over and over again, uh, and just just catch up. And uh, yeah, you know, coaches coaches have an impact, and they become on your life, and they become friends for for life as yeah. well. Yeah, awesome. Especially if they're good ones or mentors, you remember them yep. well. Um, our podcast, you know, we we're Christians. We dedicate this to the glory of God, and if we're bringing man, people together and developing relationships and and stuff like that, that's what it's all about. Absolutely, bringing the people together. Um, so our guest today, uh, F three Funny Car. So Funny Car uh, gave me his bio. I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit shorter, but he was born in Petersburg, Virginia. Turns 59 this Friday, we just found out. And he's taking the advantage of his birthday to queue every day this week uh, down in uh, Hampton Roads. Anyway, he graduated from Virginia Tech in 1986, played men's varsity soccer in 1981 and 1982. Been working as a banker, uh, loves basketball. He's a Rotarian. Uh, but he's got a really interesting story. And I'll just, I'm not going to share his story for him, but uh, he. Uh, contacted me after he heard a podcast. I was a guest on the uh, Roundtable podcast with C-SPAN and shared uh, a little bit of my story with uh, a heart attack and things like that. And Funny Car reached out to me, and, and I just thought his story was so compelling. We communicated via text for a while, and I thought, you got to come on the podcast, man, because we do this to motivate and inspire men, and you're going to do that. So, uh, Funny Car, tell us uh, your real name, how you got involved with F3, how you've been there, and how you got your Funny Car name. Well, Will, thanks, guys, for having me on again, D. For that was an inspiring story you had on the uh, podcast. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. So, uh, I joined F3 in November of 2016. Uh, I live in Chesapeake, Virginia, and a buddy of mine told me about it because the guy who started in Hampton Roads, guy named Dream Miner, uh, he went to church with him. So, he told me about it. I looked at the website. Uh, and I, at that, I was exercising, running a lot, uh, so I decided to check it out. It was one mile from my house, so I rode my bicycle. I didn't know anyone. Uh, did the first workout, and usually you're not used to that workout, so I was, it, you know, it was a pretty good beat down. And uh, so at the Circle of Trust, you know, I introduced myself, told them I was from Petersburg, went to Virginia Tech. I was a, being a banker, the normal stuff. So uh, one of the guys, a guy named uh, Space Monkey, said, well, in Petersburg, there's a drag racing strip, which is not true. It's actually in Dinwiddie County next. That I wasn't going to correct him. And he said, you rode your bike uh, here, so we're going to call you Funny Car. Oh. Well, I don't like cars. I'm not a car guy. I, you know, I drive a car to get to places, and I rode my bike home, and I did not like that name. <laughs> so uh, you know how it goes. It falls on you, and you know, I love the name Funny Car now. And uh, I didn't go back for about another month. And, uh, and then I finally decided to give it another shot. Then I, we had two AOs, a Wednesday and a Saturday. And then I started going on Saturdays. And then we started growing. And uh, I became Nantan last year. 
So I don't, you know, I'll probably work out four to, and then maybe seven days a week, at least four, usually five or six. So that's how I got an F3. We just had our fifth anniversary this past November. Slaughter came up to help us celebrate, and uh, things are going great. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my, my co-history host here, dial up. He likes NASCAR. So he's into cars. Yeah. I was, in, I was intrigued by the name and how you got it. And I thought there'd be some yeah. type of racing connection, but there's no connection at all. <laughs> Usually there's Just not no. drag strip next to the town I grew up in. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking through my childhood of watching drag races. I was going to reference some names and stuff to see if there was a connection there, but nothing. No. No, and that's usually the way it is with our names, right? With yeah, the, they get a nickname from it. so everybody joins F three the first day there. At least usually it's that's the way it works. The first day you're there, you get your F three name, and it usually has nothing to do with whatever you're doing. So yeah, or it's loosely related. The Although best. mine, mine was really well related. I've got a boring name, but anyway. So, so I'm curious though. You mentioned that it was about a month until you went back. Any particular right. any particular reason why? I'm just curious. And I mean, I wasn't used to getting up that early. Uh, it was, you know, November. So, you know, we're starting to get some cold weather and, you know, I just, you know, just took me a while to just get the motivation to go back again. And, uh, and then once I did, you know, I just started, it was routine. And then we grew, uh, we've grown from, you know, those, those original two AOs. We got, we just launched a new one. So we got 20 now. Wow. We got two every day. So, uh, again, Sometimes I sleep in on Monday and sometimes Sunday, but other days I'm pretty, I'm usually there. Yeah. I just posted a question on the nation's uh, mumble chatter uh, channel on the Slack. And I said, uh, how do you balance getting the recommended amount of sleep and still posting early in the gloom early in the morning? Right. And basically all the answers are you don't. Yeah. Some guys try to make up the sleep on the weekend. Some guys take some naps in the afternoon. Most of us can't do that because we work, et cetera. So pretty much it's a trade-off. And, and, uh, but I think, you know, I don't know, everyone has to figure things out for themselves. But sometimes, especially guys uh, in the respect category, we, we've, got to, we've got to catch up on some sleep once in a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with fart sacking every now and then. That's called good fart sacking. <laughs> yeah, it's called smart sacking. So for those who don't know yeah, what fart sack yeah. is, it's staying in your bed. All right. <laughs> uh, listen, a lot of people that aren't part of F3 that list, that are friends of ours and churchgoers and et cetera listen to this, and they're like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. So I got to define some of these terms for Absolutely. for our people. All right. Uh, well, I question for you. I ask everybody this. How, where I know you uh, grew up in Petersburg. Um, so tell me what it was like, where you grew up, what your family life was like. Tell me about that. So, uh, grew up in Petersburg, which is about 30 minutes south of, uh, uh Richmond. And, uh, you know, I had a mom, my mom was a lot, was a, a teacher and then became a librarian. I went to a small private school. Uh, I had a brother two years younger and my father, uh, was an engineer at the local gas company and, he went to tech. My younger brother went to tech and, you know, it was just a good childhood. We, a bunch of friends, we, you know, played a lot outdoors. My parents, I mean, they, we, we were their lives. I mean, you know, they, my dad coached our basketball teams. Uh, you know, the school I went to, my mom was there. Uh, they never missed a, a game. You know, my, my brother and I were both uh, like playing sports. Sports, you know, I was a big basketball player, soccer player. They never missed a game 
Uh, so it was a good childhood in, in a town we really enjoyed, a lot of great friends. And um, I was blessed. They were a big part of our lives and continued to, uh, you know, throughout our whole life. They were always there. Uh, I moved in a, uh, about an hour and a half away in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, we would speak to them and go visit. Uh, my dad passed away three years ago. He was 86. Uh, and uh, I remember I got to, I woke up to go to F3, woke up at 5.30, and I had, like, a bunch of messages from my mom. So I knew that was not good news. Yeah. And uh, but I, So I, I got in a car, drove, and he had had a stroke. Uh, and I got to, uh, I mean, I got to see him for about an hour before he passed away. So you know, I got, he didn't really know. I was there. I saw some tears come from his eyes, so I got to say my goodbyes. And then last year, last January, my mom was 84 at the time. She was a, still worked part-time as a librarian at the hospital. She was in a Rotary Club, Garden Club, and uh, uh, very active. And oh, she died of a stroke on a Monday, January 4th. So, you know, I lost both of them in the past, you know, recently. And it's been a big impact, but... Again, I was just blessed to have wonderful parents who, uh, you know, gave us a good environment to grow up in. Sports was a big part of our lives, you know, playing all the time. Yeah, you know, my, my wife and I, we had to move my son from Maniunk, which is uh, part of Philadelphia. It's on the opposite side of the river uh, of Center City. Anyway, we had to move him to Lynchburg, Virginia this Saturday. And then uh, that took all day. It's about 11 o'clock at night. And then we drove down to Richmond because we have family down there. So I spent about three hours down there in Richmond, then had to drive home. But I'm driving around Richmond looking at a whole lot of Virginia Tech uh, signs and a whole lot of signs of people. I hate Virginia Tech. So there must be some rivalries going on down there around Richmond. Yeah, especially UVA, Virginia Tech. Yeah. So, uh, but it was, you know, I went to Tech and great school. You know, had a great time. It was, it was the right place for me. And so. So you played basketball and soccer in high school? Yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was, I love basketball. I played, I mean, all the time. In the summer times, I was out the public courts, uh, went to, uh, you know, you, you saw Carolina in the final, you know, championship yesterday. I'm a big Carolina fan. My grandfather played basketball at Carolina, graduating at 32. So I was brainwashed at a young age to be a Tar Heel basketball fan. So I went to Dean Smith's camp from 76 to 81. I got to know Coach Smith. Coach Williams was one of my coaches. Uh, my final year in camp when I was a rising senior, Michael Jordan was the fellow camper, so I played some games against Michael Jordan. And uh, he was okay. He wasn't – you didn't think he was the best. But, but I tell people I became a much better banker than Michael Jordan did. And uh, – <laughs> So, uh, so then I, then I was, and I played soccer too, and I was fortunate to uh, play soccer at Virginia Tech for two years, and uh, and then I realized I had to study and you know try to graduate, and it took a lot of time. So, uh, you know, I gave it up, and and uh, you know made a lot of good friends at Tech. I graduated and uh, went into banking, got a job in the banking in 1986, and I've been doing it well for 34 years now. So. Uh, you know, it's been a good career that's, uh, you know, helped provide me with some resources to raise a family. So, uh, you know, it's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. He, he should liven up that camp story, though. Like, you, you should have at least played Michael Jordan 1v1, right, and gave him a wicked crossover, right. broke his ankles, and scored on him, right? 
<laughs> and that could be your story, and you could stick to it. No, yeah, one, yeah. no one could well, tell the difference, right? So, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, but I still play pickup games basketball. I mean, I still play to this day, uh, not as often as I used to, but you know, I've been blessed to continue to you know, you know, play the sport. And uh, but now F three is most of my athletic endeavors these days. Yeah, you heard my story on the sound on the roundtable podcast. I had a heart attack playing basketball, so. Um, I came back after that and I was still playing pickup games until about a year and a half ago. And I realized that um, I've had, I don't know about you, but I've tons of injuries playing basketball. My ankles are only held together with scar tissue, you know, my arthritis in my fingers from so many broken fingers and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, I thought, you know, F3 is a lot less uh, threatening injury wise. So, so I retired from basketball about a year and a half ago, but I have to tell you, I have the bug to play again. I wasn't good when I quit playing, but I'm so I'm sure I'm a lot worse now. But I I think I'm in better shape because of F three. So yeah. I'd love to go out and test it and see how well I can get down the court. But uh, anyway, maybe you should just yeah, play a like, game of yeah. horse. Went <laughs> for a long time. We had a gym and I had the keys to the gym. So once a week, you know, we would play at nighttime with a bunch of guys. Yeah. And then our YMCA has a good pickup group. So I've always been able to to find a game. I was in F three this. Past weekend, we went to see my daughter. She goes to Campbell in North Carolina. Then we went to Lexington, South Carolina, to visit my mom's sister we had seen. And in Lexington, South Carolina, which is a population over 300,000, if I, if I got my numbers right, they have 71 AOs each week. Wow. They have, they have 16 AOs just on Tuesday. Oh. So I went to an AO where they have four AOs at this high school, which is like a little college. It's so nice. But my point is, in after election, they have an AO that they just play basketball at once a month. They just the AO is playing pickup basketball. Nice, cool. nice. That's my AO. I got to go to that. How about AO. it? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, AO means area of operation. That's just a site where we work out. So, uh, wow, that's a lot. We we don't have that many. So basically, we have uh, and just one workout every week. Every excuse me, six days a week. Um, we, we vary the location sometimes and stuff like that. And we have another one in a town over on Saturday. So we have two on Saturday, but, um, we're a small area, rural area. So, um, hopefully we can expand our region a little bit more. We're not quite to two years yet, so we'll see. You know, you said you turn out to be a better banker than Michael Jordan, but I'm guessing he can probably buy your bank. So (laughs) careful what you say. (laughs) All right. Well, um, the, you know, the reason that you know, we got in touch and you, you kind of reached out to me, but was uh, because of uh, your experience um, with, with some heart problems. Uh, so why don't you, you know, tell me about that. All right. So uh, if you need to stop me and interrupt, you know, I can go on. So, you know, please do so. But so when uh, I'm, I've always been a decent athlete, at least I, I think I am. And, uh, but I sort of stopped running and exercising, you know, when I had my daughter in my, I was probably 36. And then my forties, I just, I was maybe playing a little bit of basketball. I, I was golfing some, but I just wasn't doing much else, uh, raising a family working. And, and I, you know, I started putting on some pounds and, you know, I look back since I've started F3, I look back and I realized I was a sad clown but I didn't know it's a sad clown. Mm-hmm. Which, if you want to explain what sad clown is, uh, yeah, you, sure, you folks. You just, uh, you just, you know, I was going to work. I wasn't really, really didn't have any close friends. I mean, friends close to me. I mean, I had a lot of friends, uh, 
you know, people tell me I know everyone, but I wasn't spending time with the guys. I was just working, not working out, and just I got into shape. So I, a buddy I saw had lost a lot of weight, and he told me about this boot camp he went to. This guy put on, and he so I just at age I was turning fifty, and I said, you know, I need to get in shape. So I went to this boot camp, and it was a boot camp with this, you know, real strict protein diet for six weeks. And I lost almost 40 pounds. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I was dedicated to it. And after that, I started running all the time. I, I started trying to eat smarter. I still struggle with that, but I lost all this weight and I started making exercise a priority in my life. So that was right before I turned 50. So when I turned 50, I was at somewhere and someone handed me a, a flyer about a heart scan, which DFib, I know you, you know, you probably very familiar with these. Yeah. So a heart scan, uh, they do a scan of your chest and it tells you the probability you have plaque buildup in your arteries, correct? Yeah. So basically it's a low level CT scan and they, um, I don't know if it's low level, it's a CT scan of your chest specifically focused on your heart and when people have blockages in their heart it's usually associated with calcium deposits and you can right. see calcium deposits in your coronary arteries on a cat scan and so there's certain criteria amount of calcium that kind of stuff and it, and if on the cat scan it shows a significant amount of that that means that there's a likelihood or you know whatever probability that you might have some blockages that are significant so i was in the best shape since college and my, but my grandfather died of a heart attack when he was 49. My dad, when in his 70s, had a bypass surgery, and he had his aortic valve replaced. And my mom had, had a had a heart attack with a stent put in. So I, I had heart disease history on both sides of the family. My cholesterol had always been high, but again, I was in I was in really good shape. But I decided to get this CAT scan because of the I mean the heart scan because of the family history. So they had, it's usually a hundred bucks. They had a sale for 50 bucks. So I got this, I got the test done. And a few days later, the nurse calls me and said, Mr. Pollard, uh, we got your results back. And uh, we recommend you go see your family doctor, cardiologist. Well, you know, I didn't have a cardiologist. And I said, well, what's going on? And she said, your calcium score is 1100. And I had no idea what that meant. So I'm talking to our Google calcium score and it says, if you get a score of 400, you have a 90% chance of plaque buildup or, you know, blockages. So I called, a, I had a neighbor who was a cardiologist. Um, so I called him and he said, why don't you come see me like tomorrow? So I go see uh, Dr. Chung and he said, you know, that's something's not right with the score that high. And I'm not even going to do a, a, uh, get you on the treadmill. What do you call that when you get on the treadmill? Uh, stress and, test. Yeah. So he goes, I want to go ahead and do a catheterization. So a few days later, we go do a catheterization and I was 90%, I was 80% blocked and he put three stents in and uh, I had no idea. And uh, so I asked him what would have happened if I didn't get this scan done? He goes, well, you could have had a heart attack at some point sooner than later. So, uh, he put three stints in. Next week, I'm running again. This was in uh, 2014, April or March. So I, I just turned 50. Uh, and then from from 14 to 16, I ran two half marathons, 
for three half marathons and I ran my first full marathon. So I was still exercising. And then in 2017, when I started, and I don't run very fast, when I was running, I noticed I was having trouble breathing after a little while. And it started getting a little bit worse. So this time I felt something. The first time I know I did, now I felt something wasn't right. So I went to see Dr. Chung again, and he did a, he did a uh, got me on a treadmill. He said everything looked good. I went a few more months, and I went back to him and said, you know, Dr. Chung, just, I'm having trouble breathing after I run a little bit. So we did another catheterization and I was 90% blocked in another artery. And, uh, and then he said, also your aortic valve is getting calcified. And at some point that's going to be replaced, but we're thinking, you know, years down the road. So that's in 2017. So I started, and at this point I'm doing F3. So I'm working out all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, 2017 comes along, and then in, you know, in the winter of 2018, I started having breathing problems again, and it got to the point where I couldn't run more than a minute without having to stop and catch my breath. And at F3 workouts, I was having to walk a lot. You know, I really something something was really not right. So then, talking about playing basketball, DFL, I was at the Y in August of 2018, uh, and they asked me to play a game of basketball. I guess they needed they needed a player. So I played and I ran up the court really fast, like two or three times in a row. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I mean, I could not breathe. I had to lay down. I finally got my breath back and I called my cardiologist and I said, something's not right again. And uh, we do another catheterization. And he said, your aortic valve is extremely calcified. And he also said it's back cuspid, which as you know, only had, I'll let you explain if you want to, but you know, it was back cuspid. So it wasn't, you know, once it goes bad, being back cuspid, you only have you don't have three leaflets to push your blood through your through your artery. So that was causing problems. Uh, so so we set up a meeting with a with a heart surgeon. This is probably a you know a few weeks later, and he checked me out, checked out the test, and said, uh, we need to do, we need to replace your aortic valve, and we need to do it now. It was because it's it's shot. It's not good. So uh, about a month later, we prepare for open heart surgery. And, you know, knowing you're going to have your chest cut open was, you know, it was, I was pretty scared, but uh, I was in really strong shape physically. I was in strong shape emotionally and I was in strong shape spiritually, spiritually. And I credit a lot of the F3. I mean, F3 really had me ready to get that surgery. So uh, they cut me open on October 15th. Uh, you know, a few friends met me at 6 o'clock the day of the surgery and prayed for me before I went to the hospital. And, uh, you know, I had I just knew people praying for me. And uh, I remember the uh, anesthesiologist tells me to count to 10 and then the next, it feels like I wake up the next minute and, you know, I got tubes coming all out of my chest, my neck, and just, I can't explain, I can't explain the feeling of waking up. I can't explain, I felt like I've been run over by a bus. It was just, mm -hmm. it was, I mean, just, it was, uh, it was tough. My wife was there and, uh, and I, you know, and it was successful surgery. 
Yeah, it doesn't feel very successful when you're laying there in that kind of pain. <laughs> well, yeah. the, the, you know, they had me, the next day they had me walking. Yeah. And so they had me walking. So if I walked maybe 10 yards, I was done. You know, I was just out of breath. But every day I walked a little bit more. And then in five days I went home. Uh, and again, I attribute this to F3, you know, being in, in good physical shape and, and emotional, spiritual shape. And, you know, seven days, no, 13 days after surgery, I walked a mile outdoors. And then uh, 34 days after surgery, and I was out of work for six weeks. So your body is just beaten down. I mean, you know, you, you probably had one of the most major surgeries you can have. And uh, so 34 days, I, I, I didn't tell anyone I did this till after the fact, but I ran two miles 34 days after having open heart surgery. I mean, it was really slow. And uh, so I told my wife afterwards, and she wasn't a happy camper about that. But my <laughs> heart surgeon was a runner, and, and you, know, you know, he like he was an athlete. So he said, you know, as long as you take care of yourself, you know, that's fine exercise. So um, I started running about a month and more consistently, and then I went to my F3 workout, I think 45 days after surgery. Now, all I could do was sort of stand there and do a few squats, but uh, I went to it and I kept going. And, you know, as you know, I was just modify as I needed to. Yeah. And, and I, I was, I was blessed to have a, a strong recovery. Yeah. So a couple of things there that first of all, a bicuspid aortic valve, uh, normally you have three parts to your valve. So the valve is just that, a valve. It prevents backflow. So it's the three parts come together completely to close to prevent blood going back into the heart. And when the heart beats, they open completely. Um, even people with a normal, what we call a tricuspid valve, can have what he's describing, which is aortic stenosis. It means the hole gets smaller and smaller. So your heart's pumping through a smaller and smaller hole, and that's why you get shorter breath and things like that. It's amazing that you were able to do as much as you were up until then, you know, so right. you, because you had aortic stenosis it just it doesn't happen overnight so it just you know gets worse with time um what kind of valve did they put in that they put a mechanical valve in or a tissue valve no they put a bovine valve i mean my doctor my surgeon you know talked to us about mechanical and you know a or an animal valve and uh you know because i'm active i don't want to have to take uh you know with a mechanical valve you have to take humantin the rest of your life yeah and uh I don't want to have to do that. Uh, so this valve, I'm going to have to be, it's going to have to be replaced. Hopefully, I don't know, it could be 10 to 15 years. You know, who knows? You know, I think about that a little bit, but with the technology these days, they can probably replace that valve without hopefully having to cut me open again. Yeah. We have uh, a thing that we do it now with a catheter. Uh, and sometimes you could have, especially if you had a prosthetic valve, which you have now, you could put a new one inside there via a catheter so um yeah you know i i think that's the right choice for you you have to be on lifelong blood thinners if you get a, a metal valve as opposed to a tissue right. valve. yeah so that's i mean this is inspirational isn't it <laughs> it is because i'm sitting here so my background i have a, i had a master's in exercise physiology in a, in a clinical mm -hmm. setting and so my first gig out of college was uh working in a cardiac rehab program at, at our local yeah. hospital and so i'm sitting here thinking Sounds like he didn't go to cardiac rehab, right? F three F three was his cardiac rehab, and yeah. thirty four days after surgery, that's that's pretty pretty awesome. I'm I'm impressed because there's a lot of folks that we used to try and get into cardiac rehab, you know, 
two, four, six, eight, ten weeks after their surgery, and you get them in, and they could, you know, barely walk on a treadmill, and and you're going back to a boot camp style workout and and doing what you can. So I, yeah, I'm inspired. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and my, uh, my surgeon said, uh, you know, my surgeon said you don't have to go to re- cardiac rehab. I think you're okay. Right. But yeah. it's funny. The third week, the second week, I was home. I had a therapist come out, and again, your body is beat down. I mean, I can't explain how tough it was just to, especially those first two weeks. Well, they only was, cut your they cut your chest open with a jigsaw, basically, right? I mean, yeah. that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Did you have <laughs> the your whole sternum cut open, or did you have part of it cut open? The whole thing. Whole thing. Why okay. Yeah. There are some yeah. people that could do it with cutting only like a part of it open. That's yeah. called a minimally invasive approach. So I would be, this is interesting because, you know, I work in cardiac surgery as a physician assistant yeah. and we don't let people do a lot of things with their upper body for about seven or eight weeks because the bone has to heal and you're out there running two miles. So, I mean, you weren't lifting weights, but, uh, most patients would not tolerate that. That would hurt a lot. But you know, it's amazing how quickly you recover. And you're and you're right. Uh, your recover recovery was a lot quicker because of the shape you were in going into it. And I think that's a message for everybody out there. There's so many benefits to getting physically fit, right? I mean, there, there's so many benefits to it. Obviously, you might look better. You feel better. Your brain is clearer. Um, and but if something happens. And guess what? Something is eventually going to happen. Yeah. Uh, if it's not heart disease, it's something else or whatever. So the better shape you're in, the better you're going to be able to handle it. And um, and this is just proof positive. Yeah, you're always going to lose so much conditioning from being inactive and having your surgery, right, and being kind of bedridden for a few few days or, or, or weeks with minimal activity. And, yeah, if you're starting at a super high level and you lose two weeks of, of activity, you're still much higher than a person that started at a super, super low level. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, reason to get out there. Yeah, I've gone through, after I had surgery, I've looked at pictures of chestmen cut open. I've seen videos. I'm glad I didn't look at that before the surgery. But <laughs> right. Good, good choice. Uh, and that first, that second, my first week at home, I had a therapist come, I mean, a physical therapist come in, and I'm thinking, you know, I do F3s. She had me doing these exercises, just like standing up or raising my arm, and it wore me out. I mean, it was just, yeah. I'd have to take a nap. Yeah. And so my first cue, when I went back, and the cue was your workout leader. So the first workout I led, I had all the packs do these real basic exercises <laughs> that I did during my first few weeks of, you know, recovery. So, uh, but it's a, uh, you know, I, my message, I'm in a lot of su- several support groups on social media for heart patients and people here to have valve replacement. And, uh, you know, my point is that I had no idea I had heart problems. Right. I just, I was doing what I wanted to do. Uh, but, my, you know, my message or my mission has been to just tell people if you have a history to get checked out, you know, if you have you know, family history, high cholesterol, uh, you know, as you know, DFib, what, you know, heart disease is a leading cause of death and what, both men and women. Uh, so uh, just if something doesn't feel right, just get checked out because uh, you just never know what's going on inside. And I still get paranoid, you know, we'll do a tough workout and I'll start breathing a little bit harder. I'm, you know, I'm like, 
I'm okay. Yeah, I know because I, you know you've got coronary disease and you had the aortic valve replaced. Now that valve should be good right. for a while. So, but uh, I know as another guy with coronary disease and two different stents in my heart, and I did have a, the first symptom was a heart attack for me. That and it was out of the blue, right? You're like, feel fine. I'm playing basketball, asymptomatic. Next thing, you no, know, boom, you get a heart attack. Um, I think that's a great message that if, especially if you have a strong family history, that's probably the number one. Uh, you know, predictor of whether you're going to have heart disease. Uh, but the other risk factors you mentioned, high cholesterol, diabetes, hypertension, being obese, smoking, you know, if you're doing all those and you have a family history, then you're really rolling the dice. But uh, uh, that was really good that you got that that uh, scan, you know, to uh, just, you know, hey, I got family history. I get a scan, cost you 50 bucks. You know, who knows? Uh, maybe, maybe not, you know, saved your life or at least saved a heart attack or bigger problems. Yeah. Let's yeah, like joke it. with people. I tell people I'm so, I'm so tight. If it was a hundred bucks, I probably wouldn't have paid to have a test and <laughs> heart attack, but I've had a bunch of people go, go get that scan after hearing my story. And a few people send me messages saying, Hey, my score is high and we got to do the next step. So, you know, I feel like, you know, if I can help, if, we, if one person can help fix a problem from hearing our stories, then who cares how much we tell it, right? Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to get too political or go too far down this rabbit hole, but you know, the thing that goes through my head is a $50 scan, right? And so this company that's doing these, they're still turning a profit off of 50, a 50, doing a CAT scan for 50 bucks. And how much a CAT scan costs in our healthcare system and what our insurance payers, yeah. you know, because insurance doesn't cover, doesn't cover a catheter. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to have reasons for everything and it depends on your insurance. There's a whole lot of things involved. But so since then, now you're back, are you back to running marathons now? No, I, I, I've run, I ran, I think I'm one and done on a marathon. Uh, but I run about, you know, I do F3 most mornings and then, I try to run three or four times a week, about three to five miles each time. But I ran a half marathon, let me see, a year and a half. I ran a 10K, I think, eight months after surgery. And, uh, man, I was just balling going across the finish line just, yeah, you know, because yeah. I could run. And then I did, I ran, I've run two half marathons the next two years. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I'll do any more. Uh, uh, but mostly, uh, you know, I mean, I'm probably stronger today than I was a few years ago. Do you do the, do you do the marathon that ends down there in Hampton in the Coliseum? Is that the one you've, is the one, the, the marathon I did was in Richmond. In Richmond, all right. Yeah, Richmond in 2016. So, uh, and I did it in, uh, I'm mean, not fast. I broke five hours. So I was, that was good for me. So, uh, yeah. the two buddy. That'd be really good. Surviving it would be good for me. You finished the marathon. That's all that matters. Right. Absolutely. I always say you suffered. You suffered longer than the the winners that did it in two hours right, yeah. and you know twenty minutes, two hundred ten minutes, depending on how good they were. But I tell you, this, the thing that probably wasn't so smart is so I had the surgery on October fifteenth. In in March, they had a grow ruck in Richmond, and I don't know if you want to explain what a grow ruck is. Uh, to the crowd. Yeah, well, I, I've never done one because I have a bad back, but basically you carry a weighted backpack, 40 pounds, I think. Is that right? 
30 pounds. 30 pounds. And, and they, they, I mean, these crazy guys go overnight. Um, well, go ahead. You just, have, did you do it? Right, so, yeah, so a grow rock, you, you carry a 30 pound uh, in a backpack uh, and you start around six o'clock on a Saturday evening and you finish about eight thirty Sunday morning and you do a bunch of exercises with logs. They get, you know, it's a tough mental challenge. I mean, it is, it is, it is hard, but it's a very rewarding event too. And you, and, and it's a good leadership event. You really test yourself. So I signed up for it and I didn't realize how hard this was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew my wife didn't know how hard it was going to be. And my, my mom was living at the time. So we did this grow ruck and dread was there who founded F3 slaughter was there. Who's our man tan. Uh, so I, Friday night we had to get together and I shared my story with the guys and I showed them my chest car. And I, I mean, I just broke down in tears and I, I told them how much F3 meant to me to get through that surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother came over a few, a few days after surgery, they brought us food. Uh, you know, you have this, I mean, as you know, it's more than a workout and I have this amazing support group. So uh, the whole time dread was like my partner most of the time. And the whole time guys are coming up to me, making sure, probably making sure I'm not going to kill over and die. Right. And they're making, okay, funny car, you're okay. And I did that, I did that grow ruck and uh, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but man, it felt awesome after, after I did that, I knew my heart was going to be okay for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You put it to the test. Yeah. You're going to wear that new valve out, man. I know it. So we're having a grow ruck. October 8th in Virginia Beach called Neptune's Adventure. So uh, I'm hoping all the packs listening to this put it on their calendar. It's going to be a great time. We're going to do it on the ocean front and uh, looking forward to it. When you get to hop right up the Valley Forge, do that one in, in November in the cold. A month snow. later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they gave that one because that's going to be a cold, cold grow ruck in, in well, Valley Forge. Well, I, I was, uh, so I had uh, an idea um, year and a half ago, two years ago, anyway, to create a what ended up being the Keystone Convergence. So we brought all the packs together, all the different regions that do F three in Pennsylvania, and we converged in Harrisburg. But during the the lead up to that, when we were having all the Zoom meetings, all the Nantan Nantan means leader of a region. So all the Nantans are on the Zoom calls, and C span was on there then because he was living in Philly at the time. It was like, we need to do a grow ruck. So that's, and, and immediately they said, we got to do it at Valley Forge and it's got to be cold. So this was on purpose, you know, right. make it as hard as possible. It is cold. Who knows though, November in Pennsylvania, who knows what it's going to be like. It may not be that cold, but who knows? So let me ask yeah. a question. So you, you mentioned uh, what got you through this stuff was um, part of it was growing spiritually. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. You know, what's your faith like? So, you know, growing up, you know, we grew up in a Methodist church and, uh, and we went to church. I, mean, I wouldn't say I, I, I was, uh, a, a, I mean, I was a Christian, but I don't know if I was a believer. And then when we got uh, my early years of married, we didn't go to church. Uh, our daughter was born in 19, I mean, 2001. And then as she got older, we started going to going to a, ch- a Methodist church near us, and we got more involved. 
but I was probably still going through the motions. Well, he hadn't read the you know Bible in detail, and then and uh, when I turned after I turned fifty, I started going to a, a men's prayer group with, with some guys, and uh, you know I just and uh, I, I I had a job change that was unexpected. You know, the, the bank I was I'd been working at seven years. You know, the president and I, president and I probably didn't uh, just felt like I didn't need to be there anymore. So I had to change banks, and that ended up being a blessing. I mean, I've had a great career since then with this with the I'm with a bank called Blue Ridge Bank, and so sometimes you you know things happen for a reason. I think sometimes, and I probably wasn't happy. I probably weren't wasn't doing my job as well as I should have, and it gave me a little kick in the butt and got me refocused. But about that same time, I started trying to be more of a, you know, trying to increase my faith. Started praying more, going to this men's prayer group. And then after he came along at the right time, you know, I'm with these guys who are, you know, are Christians too. You know, we pray together. So that helped strengthen my faith. Now I have a long way to go. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a sinner every day like everyone else, but I know that there's someone, you know, there's someone there helping us in this journey. And uh, again, if it wasn't for F3, I probably wouldn't be in that point in my faith if I didn't have it. I know I wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, times like uh, when, when you're facing things like open heart surgery or heart attacks or whatever, your faith gets tested. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, the Lord uses those things, those, um, times in our lives to draw us closer to him. That's, that's the whole thing. So anyway, um, it's a, it's a blessing to hear your story, man. Yeah. I got, I got to ask you this well, though, cause I, uh, I coached soccer for a long time. I played basketball. That was the sport I played. Um, so what position did you play since you played D one soccer? What position were you playing? I was a fullback. Uh, so my, I went out, made the team. I mean, I wasn't a really good soccer. I wasn't a really talented soccer player. I was a good athlete, so uh, a, a, a local coach in Richmond sort of spoke, gave a good word for me, Virginia Tech coach. So I went up early and I walked on. Uh, you know, I just I just worked as hard as I could. I tried, you know, tried to not make any stupid mistakes, and I made the team. And my freshman year, I didn't play much, which is fine. There were a bunch of seniors, and then my sophomore year, I started probably about half the games. You know, you know, had a, had a few good games and uh, met a great bunch of guys. And uh, we were playing, we were an average team. We were non-scholarship, but I remember my sophomore year, we took UVA to overtime, and they were the fourth-ranked team in the country mm-hmm. and undefeated. I was, you know, we didn't win, but it was a we we came out as close as you could. So uh, I enjoyed it, but. Uh, I was in a fraternity. I wasn't work, you know, wasn't studying as hard as I could. Probably going out too much. And then my junior year, uh, I didn't work. I didn't really get in shape that summer like I should have. My brother was a freshman, and he made the soccer team as a goalie. So I was, we were going to both be on the team. But my heart wasn't in it, you know, and I needed to focus. So I, you know, gave it up after two years and. Uh, Played a little bit after that in pickups, but uh, coached a little bit. But you know, it was a, it was a, it was, I enjoyed it a lot, and it was a good experience. What position? What position did you play in basketball? 
I was a shooting guard, so I'm a, I like to uh, I like to jack it up. So. <laughs> AKA Gunner. <laughs> that's right so uh, we call some of those so, guys some guys i play with playing pickup ball we call them the black hole the ball goes in never comes out so you know yeah, yeah. When, when did you get the shooting the the three-point line though i was so, it was, you know, when I was playing the three-point line wasn't there i was, gonna no. say, I was thinking that you wouldn't because i know in pa we didn't yeah. get we didn't get it till like the late 80s right it was the year after yeah. i graduated okay yeah, yeah, of course i right? played point guard and i got <laughs> all my baskets came either from behind the what what would be the three point line? Because back then teams played zone. Right now everybody plays man to man. But my all my points came from what would be behind the three point line or on the fast breaker from the foul line. And I'd have averaged a lot more points if that darn line was painted on the court. Then. I'm certain you would have been a thousand point scorer. Probably, I have yeah. No doubts. I, I would have scored the 800 more I needed. <laughs> To get to seven hundred yeah. more, whatever it was, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, that. that was a, it was a, and I got a few offers at smaller schools, but I wanted to go to Virginia Tech. And uh, it's funny, I, I, my nickname, my nickname, my father gave me when I was a baby was Bebo, B E B O. So my family calls me Bebo. Most of my, a lot of my friends call me Bebo. Uh, so we're, I was playing at the YMCA one day, and someone heard, so I guess someone heard him call me Bebo, and this guy thought he was calling me Reload. <laughs> because I shot all so much, so they used to call me Reload at the all right. Why Petersburg? That was my reputation. I could, <laughs> that could be a good F three name, Reload. Reload. I like yeah. that. I'll have to keep that Weird. one in mind. Yeah, we're we're really bad at naming people. We we we're we're too know, nice. Yeah, we're too nice. We're way too nice with naming. You know, people. and I, we are too. When I when I'm involved, I'm nice too because I don't. Know, I just don't want some guy to get a name he hates and. You know. and, and that's kind of why I asked you the question at the beginning about it took you a month to come back because right. I noted right. you didn't like your name. You didn't like your name, right? And I'm like, did, did the name keep you away? Because we've had that discussion too. Like, guy, like guys want a name they can, they're proud of, right? It makes them feel good. Right. Like, yeah, that's a cool name that I got. And you give somebody like some really goofy name and it's like, do, do they not come back because of their name? Are they that sensitive to it? I, I, I don't know. Uh yeah, can you imagine coming home and telling your wife your, your name now is Hello Kitty? Yeah, I mean, Hello Kitty has continued to do F3 for quite a while. Well, you got to own it, right? <laughs> that's right. You got to own it. Make it your own. You just got to, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a lesson. So, um, and, and y'all know this amazing thing is you work out with these guys every morning, and you don't even know their what their full names are. You just know right. them as, you know, V-Fib and yeah. Dial-Up and Funny Car. And we were working out one time. We E.H. is younger guy who was working out at the high school near me, and he was doing pull-up bar pull-ups, and I went up to him, and he went. He was a rising senior at Virginia Tech, and he was in a he was going to be a fly jet for the Navy. Mm. And it was his last. His it was he was uh, at home, so he came out to F three, and he came out that whole all August before he went to school. Came to F three every morning, and his grandfather had just died. All his grand all his friends already his friends already graduated. He had one semester left. And he finally chewed, and at the end, he said, you know, I was, this was, I was at a really low point in my life. My grandfather died in flu jets. Mm-hmm. All my friends left, and I've been coming to F3 every week, and this has really just helped me get in a better frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, never hesitate to ask someone to come out, because right. you yeah. never know. So he went off, graduated from tech, and that winter he went off to a, school to learn how to fly jets and one morning we're working out it's and it's in december it's cold and this truck pulls up and this older guy who i don't say older he's probably my age he gets out and he goes uh 
I'm Steve's father. Uh, and we're like, who's, who's, who's Steve? Steve? <laughs> <laughs> he said he's been coming working out with y'all all the time. We go, oh, you mean Wave Rider. So, uh, so we didn't know, we could remember his name, but he wanted to take a picture of us and send it to him because he was graduating from flight school and wanted us to be part of oh, it. That's very so, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, one one last question. I ask almost every guest this. You got you got a chance now at, via our podcast to talk to who knows how many men out there, but what message do you have for the men of America? You know, I would just, um, it's never too late to do something. I'm going to focus on F3 to come out to F3. You don't have to be in great shape. I mean, you can be in bad shape. You know, we had a, we have a guy who had, both kidneys removed and one replaced a year and a half ago and he can't run, but he comes out two or three times a week and does what he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, you know, this group is just an amazing group because, you know, it, it helps you get in shape, maintain shape, but it just gives you the support in their work with guys you never would have met otherwise. I mean, I'm friends with guys from different walks of life, guys in their twenties, guys in their 70s and uh you know as i approach the end of my 50s you know i look back on the past 10 years and uh you know got in had the heart surgery had the stents got in good shape and then i fell in f3 and uh, it's been a life changer and uh, so if you've never been before you know, I recommend try to check it out. If you go, you know, just take advantage of it and, uh, and depend on those guys, uh, because through good times or even through the tough, through the tough times, all these guys are going to be there to help you out. So I've seen it. I've seen it change lives. I've seen guys stop drinking. I've seen guys, you know, get in better shape. And, uh, it's just amazing. You know what they started 11 years ago, I'm sure Dread and OBT never thought it'd have the impact it's had. So yeah, yeah, great message, man. I, I love stories like this because you know how it is. You're reaching out to guys, inviting them, and it's like, oh well, I got this bad knee, yeah, you know, or this bad shoulder. It's like, I, yeah, I get it. You know, we just we just talked to a guy this week that had his chest ripped open and his valve replaced, and he went to the workout ten weeks later. So or no, five, no, four, five weeks later, right? So, yeah. Days, yeah. so uh, I can, I can understand why you don't want to come because that little, <laughs> little bit of knee pain that you got. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. it's great. Y'all sharing this story, you know, you just, and you're having an impact and just sharing the stories with the different guys each week. So mm-hmm. thank you all for doing that. Yeah. Well, no problem, man. I'll tell you, it's just a, it's just a blessing to, to meet you and, and hear your story. We got to meet in person sometime. Yeah, yeah. I, have to, I have to admit, I was I was in Virginia Beach this winter for an indoor track meet, and I was planning to attend one of your beatdowns. I can't remember what the, the name of the AO was. Um, Think Hill. Yeah, it was a, it was Saturday morning, and then right. they ended up uh, we ended up leaving Saturday morning to come home instead yeah. because we withdrew from the one event. So the my my son and his teammates were all done late Friday, so we got up and we left early early Saturday morning to come home. But that was it. That was at the new track facility, indoor track yeah, facility. Yeah, beautiful right? place, beautiful place. But, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we tend to get down in that area every once in a while. So we'll definitely try and look you up and, and get to a beat down sometime. I'm down in that neck of the woods. 
Yeah, that's why I enjoyed your interview last week with the cross country coach because my daughter's uh, was a talented runner. Mm-hmm. Went to college, got injured, and just knowing that that impact running coaches can have on the lives of kids. I've seen that happen too. And yeah. So I, that's why I really enjoyed hearing his testimony. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, we're, it's a blessing for us to do it and meet guys like you. And you know, the name of this podcast is high impact man. And I think we just spoke with a spoke with a high impact man. I totally agree with you, my friend. He, he turned something that could have been really bad into something, not only uh, something that he got through, uh, through grit and determination and, yeah. and being a part of a group of guys that support him. But he's out there trying to send the message and get other guys that uh, can get help and, and some knowledge about, you know, maybe their coronary disease and whatever uh, uh, they need to do, but also uh, insp- inspiring people that, like you said, uh, there's really no good excuse for most people. Yep, absolutely. Right? Just get up, get out of your fart sack and post in the morning, and it doesn't matter how much you could do, just get out and do it. That's right. All right. All right well, God bless you, Funny Car. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys. See y'all later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone. Hey, funny.